Today is the slowest day for the rest of our lives, which is frightening to a lot of people because people were talking about, you know, when, when is it going to go back to normal? And what we're talking about is when is change going to slow down? When is all this going to just reverse? Uh, we're going to wake up from this nightmare or a dream for some good people because there's a lot of opportunity out there. But when are we just going to wake up and it's going to go back to normal? And the reality is, is today is the slowest day of the rest of your life. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today, my guest is Ira Wolf. He is ranked by Thinkers360 as the number one global thought leader and influencer in the future of work category. At number three in HR and top 20 for leadership, been described as a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body and is the world's first chief Googleization officer. Ira, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. And before we get into anything else, what on earth is a Googleization officer? Well, that's an interesting story. So, hey, thanks very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and I love talking about this. So, Googleization uh, started, obviously, it's a play off of Google, uh, but I wrote a book in 2008 called Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And it was about the multiple generations in the workforce. At that point, the, you know, the primary or the generation that everyone was talking about was uh, the millennials. You know, they were coming in and, and a lot of bashing of the millennials. What a horrible group of people that they were going to be. Uh, and uh, things, things have obviously changed. Uh, but, uh, but my point with that book was not only talking about the four generations that were working simultaneously, uh, but also how the impact of technology, how fast things were changing, which now seems like we were, you know, crawling like a turtle uh, on a road. Uh, things uh, were moving pretty quickly. And so uh, I decided to update the book in 2016, which is around the time I did my TED Talk, uh, which was about change. And as I, I said, you know, I'm going to talk about Gen Z and I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the new technologies and how fast the world is changing. And it was really interesting because when I went back to the book, I realized I never even talked about the tablet or the iPad or a tablet or mobile uh, or the cloud of how that was impacting work and, you know, how young people, that's the only world they knew. And, and for baby boomers like myself and older uh, it was, this was all, you know, we had to learn completely new habits. And uh, yet that, that was the only wor- world that uh, anybody under 30 actually knew. And uh, so I, I continued the theme of um, Googleization, uh, which ultimately to me means the convergence of people, technology and business. And they're, it's always evolving in uh, 2020, we're, we're in 2020. And uh, certainly uh, this was a year of Googleization where every people were disrupted, business was disrupted, technology is disruptive. Uh, and uh, so Googleization was that. And uh, we're going back to your, how did I come up with chief Googleization officer? 
I last year I walked into a meet or after a meeting, they said, uh, I don't remember your name, but you're the Google guy. And I said, well, I can't use that title. <laughs> uh, so I basically came, I just picked, continued my thing with the chief Googleization officer. And uh, I now also have a community uh, that's free for anybody to join. It's called Googleization Nation. So I'm chief Googleization officer of, of Googleization Nation. I love that. And what I really want to zone in and talk to you about, Ira, today is um, adaptability and how that links to VUCA, but also why adaptability is so important in the world of business right now, um, particularly with so much uncertainty and so much change. So, um, and obviously I've just used the word VUCA that people listen to the podcast, some will and some will not have uh, heard about that. So let's just launch into your thinking about how do businesses in, in a such a, a fast varied world and business land, changing business landscape um, why why uh, adaptability is so important and how can you improve your ability to be more adaptable in your business so it's a great question Gavin so let me go back to um, what you mentioned VUCA for for those who may not be familiar with it it's not a term that I came up with uh, actually the U.S. military came up with it and in the early 1990s, after the Berlin Wall came down, uh, they realized that uh, the future wars, uh, future enemies wouldn't necessarily be countries as they had been for centuries, millennia, uh, but they would be cyber terrorism, um, militant groups, uh, and they would be basically almost amorphous, nondescript, uh, spread across countries, uh, and uh, so they, they recognized that the world would be volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, and those are words we've heard this year. I don't think there's a, a, an hour that goes by uh, that somebody doesn't mention about uncertainty or ambiguity or complexity. And certainly we're living in a volatile world at the moment. For sure. Uh, so that's what VUCA represents. So the question is, is going back to even Googleization, where we've got business technology and people, we live in an environment. I mean, it, whether it's a business climate where, you know, and, and Tom, Thomas Friedman, who, you know, wrote The World is Flat, um, you know, and, and is in his latest books, you know, talks about climate. So we're living in, we've got, we've got climate that we live in. We've got in, an environment we live in. Uh, and we also have a business climate that we live in and, and a technology climate that we live in. So all those things are impacting us, you know, the way we work, the way we play, the way, you know, how we breathe, how we live, how we will live. Uh, so all those things are going on. So, so we need to learn how to adapt because I, I just read, I was reading, uh, listening and reading to a, a, a book yesterday. And the one quote that stood out was today, is the slowest, uh, I'm gonna screw this quote up, but today is the slowest day for the rest of our lives, which is frightening to a lot of people because people are talking about, you know, when, when is it gonna go back to normal? And what we're talking about is when is change gonna slow down? When is all this gonna just reverse? Uh, we're gonna wake up from this nightmare or a dream for some people because there's a lot of opportunity out there, but when are we just gonna wake up and it's gonna go back to normal? And the reality is, is today is the slowest day of the rest of your life such is the pace of change of technology that will have to increase in pace in order to be able to adapt to what's going on around us it's extra it's just exceptional and I, again i just read this yesterday and i, I, I after 
remember what it was, but um, there's one of the analogies I use is that Amazon updates their, and this will relate back to future work. Amazon updates their software every 11 seconds. Now, that's wow. a complete remake, but you think about how we use Amazon uh, or any e-commerce, but we, how we use Amazon. So we, we go up and we, we do a search and there's reviews and there's updates and based on the review and the rating, how it was displayed. But then as soon as we click on something, there's a suggestion to purchase something else and that will be utilized and then we if we if we choose that and millions of other people or thousands of other people choose that then that goes into their algorithm and say it's working if no one clicks on it it says it's not working so they're they're constantly updating this it's just happening over and over and again and some of it is man is human driven some of it's just machine learning updates think about going back to work think about the way that we apply for a job and whether you submit a resume, whether you use a job board uh, or whether there's an application to fill out. We are still using HR and businesses still use the same basis for an application that they used in 1960. Right. It's bizarre. Yeah. First thing, what's your name? Where do you live? What's your city, state and address? Uh, what country do you live in? What's your last three employers? What, you know, what are your references? Where did you go to school? Sure. And most of those questions, there's actually a, a, a screenshot. I, when we did presentations, uh, uh, there was a screenshot. And I initially had it. Uh, it wasn't a screenshot. It was an image. And it was an image of a, of a tablet, like an iPad, uh, that had a picture of an application. And at first, I just did, your applications need to be online. But I one day had this thought, I, it, I caught it out of my corner of my eye that they were asking a question about a date of birth or in the US, the social security number, which is illegal, so you can't do that. But I counted up the number of fields and on that image, there were 29 fields, first name, last name, city, state, so forth. There was only one field that was, well, none of them were, zero of those fields, so the of those 21 fields predicted would help you predict somebody's success at job, in the job. Zero. Enough, and there's yeah. only one field that you might need to, uh, and that was a way to contact this person. And then there was a choice, email or phone, email or phone. Well, the email would, could also introduce bias, depending on if they had their name in there. So really, the only field that we should be using is a way to contact that person, uh, and that might be a phone number. So out of the first 21 fields that someone applies for, maybe, maybe you can get away with the email uh, or a first name. But as soon as you do that, we introduce bias. I mean, as soon as you ask their first name, last name, you introduce bias. As soon as you, uh, whether it's gender bias, ethnic bias, race bias, whatever it might be. And then we ask for where they live and that may introduce bias. So uh, it's crazy. And then you, going back to my analogy with uh, Amazon, you're thinking 11.6 seconds. You know, Google, which everybody's familiar with, does a, an update. We only think, we only hear about, especially if you're in marketing, you only hear about these massive updates uh, that, they, that they do, which have impacts your ranking. But Google updates 
uh, changes their algorithm eight times a day. Wow. Eight times a day. Wow. Now think about how quickly, now I'm not suggesting businesses have to do this uh, for, for HR or hiring or work, but most of the practices we use today are the same that we've been using for 40 or 50 years. And that's insane. And, and basically, as the subtitle of my book says, the shift hit everyone's plans. Um, and especially the way we hire people, the way we retain people, the way we engage people, the way we motivate people. And ultimately, the way work gets done, if we roll back the clock, the clock uh, just six or seven months, where people got up in the morning, they commuted for hours, and companies said, no, 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 you can't, you, we, 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 you can't work remote, we can't get anything done. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, hundreds of mil millions of people are working remotely and ago, seven months ago, you told me this was impossible. <laughs> now you're shutting your buildings down and this is the way of life. Um, there, there, was, there was something else, I'm actually teaching a graduate program, a new graduate program at a local college. Uh, in leadership, and uh, talk about fortuitous timing. My the course I'm teaching happens to be organizational change. It's a master of sure. leadership, but it's organizational change. And so I'm doing a lot of reading, but being back in academia, not back in academia for the first time I'm in academia. Uh, it was driving me crazy how uh, how they were struggling with. Are we, you know, we hope we, could, we can do this in a classroom, but I was hoping we do it online. But I read this the other day that uh, it was a pretty scathing analysis of education, that education that's adapting now, universities, colleges, high school, you know, whether it's or, or, college, or uh, high schools, uh, but certainly universities and colleges that charge a ton of money for this experience. The, the professors, the faculty, thinks that they're online just because they're conducting the class over Zoom. And that is, I mean, basically they just caught up to the late 2000s, I guess. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 again, the, the gap between where people are and where they go uh, is huge and widening and becoming very transparent. Uh, and so we all need to learn how to adapt. Hi, Gavin here. I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to all of you who have bought a copy of my book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. The feedback's been excellent. Copies have gone to all four corners of the planet. I'm so grateful and humbled. I also wanted to let you know that now the audiobook version is out. The audio format can be got from audible.co.uk or audible.com or from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. It was a lot of fun recording the audiobook and hopefully you'll pick up my passion as I take you through all the insights, strategies and case studies to help you not only survive but thrive through uncertain times. So go to audible.com or audible.co.uk to check out Survive and Thrive by Gavin Preston or grab it from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. So in a world that's volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, why is adaptability so important? Well, we're living in this world. This is the climate. I mean, if the air's polluted, which it is, whether it's, whether it's from uh, you know, petroleum products and, and dirty air or whether it's from COVID, uh, it's polluted. So we've adapted. We've learned to put a mask on. 
adapting our mindset uh, is very different. So I've been working uh, with a group that did a ton of research on this. They're, they're, interesting enough, we all, people always talked about adapting. Uh, and then over the last few years, we've the organizations focused on being agile. But there really wasn't a whole lot of science on how do you change human behavior? How, how do we change that mindset? Uh, but it was a lot of singular individual research. So people talked about being curious, people talked about being open-minded, um, people talked about the, the impact of culture, um, people talked about learning, we need to learn new skills. Well, what they found was that there were 15 dimensions that impact how adaptable we are. And they broke it into three categories. Uh, and, and we're able to measure this now, which is fascinating. Uh, so one is our ability. And our ability is, are we open-minded, which is our mental flexibility. Um, what's our grit? What, resilience. We hear a lot about grit and resilience. And there's a, there's a slight difference because grit is that fortitude to keep moving forward. Resilience is when we get knocked down, do we get back up? So there were slightly different things, but everybody's throwing around these terms like, well, if you have grit, you'll get through this. If you're resilient, you'll get through this. But it's much more than that. You can be resilient and not have open-mindedness, be open-minded. You just want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, so we had ability. Character are things like, what's our thinking style like? What's our, what's our motivation? What motivates us? What's going to keep us going? Um, you know, what's our level of extroversion? And not that it's good or bad, but how does that impact our ability? Uh, do we read or do we communicate um, face to face or through Zoom like this? Uh, so the character was, and then the environment. Um, are, both culturally, company-wise, do you, you know, we ask questions like, do you feel you have support from the company? Um, is it a healthy environment? Do they care about your well-being? Uh, but it's also the people you hang with. Um, do, do, you know, the fact that you want to change, are people say, you know, I, I've heard, I, I left a career 25 years ago. And the, the, some people to this day, will say, wow, that was courageous. I could have never done that. While other people said, so um, looked at it as a failure. What, how, and by the way, my career, my first career, I happened to be a dentist. Um, I had a very, very successful practice in a small community, was involved with the hospitals. Um, you know, I mean, I, it was a very, very successful practice. And as I said in my TED talk, I, 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 I liked everything about dentistry, but dentistry. But when I left, it, people tied me to that job title. Sure. Uh, and it was like, well, what do you know about business? How can you possibly coach this? So, um, so you're going to be a, dental, a consultant to dentists. And I go, not at all. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, they're uncoachable. Uh, <laughs> really, I, I just didn't want to do that. And I did for a year and then fired everybody at the end of the year because, frankly, they were uncoachable. So some of my first clients were, I had an attorney, an engineering firm, an accountant, but I also started to get, I had a manufacturing client and realizing that people were different. And those people recognized that I had skills that were transferable, that I had a good, big, good business acumen, I had critical thinking skills, uh, I had good communication skills, I could collaborate. Um, 
So those were the skills that I was able to transfer. But the rumors in the street were when I left and I lived in a small community. So if you live, anybody who lives in a small community, even if it's a big building, a big high rise, and there's a lot of people there, you realize there's, there's a lot of people that just chatter, gossip. And in the town, people were talking about, and this is going back 25 years, um, I wonder if he has AIDS. Uh, he must be sick. He's getting a divorce. Because why would anybody quit a job like that? And to me, it was just another chapter. I mean, people change careers all the time, but sure. now people are being forced to do that. So yeah, yeah. I was hardwired for the change. I was able, I, my vision of the world, my vision of a career uh, was not, was unlike most other people. Now people are completely thrown into this. So the need to adapt is, is. Uh, so you were saying the dimensions of adaptability. So our ability, number one, number two, character, third environment within which we yeah. work. Right. So it's our ability. Our character is really our personality our ability is, do we have the skills to be able to do that? And one of the skills to be able to do that is that mental flexibility, grit, uh, resilience, open-mindedness, things like that. Uh, and then finally is sometimes we have all that, but the environment's just crushing. It's stifling. Uh, we're not allowed to make a mistake. Um, you don't get the support that you need uh, to learn. Um, oh, by the way, and I forgot maybe one of the most important things, so I apologize that. If we go back to ability, one of those skills, one of the primary skills that we need is unlearning, hmm. unlearning the way we did things. Yeah. The, the best example that I've seen of this, uh, of learning and unlearning, there is, I don't know if you're familiar with the backward bike, backward bicycle. No. Yeah, if not, um, you can look it up on YouTube. I forget the gentleman's name. I keep doing this. Um, but he just look up backwards bicycle and he's a young guy, maybe in his thirties. Uh, and he, he's, he's got several degrees. Uh, he's an engineer, but not a mechanical engineer, but he had this idea of, I don't know what generated it. He had this idea of changing the handlebars on the bike that the mechanism, if you turn right, if you, if you turn the, the bars to the left, the wheel turns to the right. And if you turn to the right, the wheel turns to the left. And you would think that that would be pretty easy. You can adapt. And, and I'll, you're in the UK. Uh, I've driven in the UK. I've driven in, in Australia. But the first time I did that, um, I, I was with, with my family with my, uh, and we, we exited the home. And right at the corner, there was a roundabout, a circle. And not only am I driving on the wrong side of the car for someone from the US, but now I'm in a circle and everything's backwards. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about freezing, but traffic's moving and figuring out how to make that work. Well, I was forced to do that because my, my son-in-law at the time happened to lose his driver's license. So I was the only one that could drive. And he takes me into the city. So then I'm also parking backwards, by the way. Mm -hmm. So quickly, you have to adapt. And I've got fairly good spatial relationships and managed to do that. But I had to consciously think of every turn I made, every time I looked in the rear view mirror, what did it mean? Well, think about the bicycle. And so he, it took, as he said, it took him eight weeks, eight months, not weeks, eight months 
to, a, to figure this out because what we don't realize, we're constantly making these little adjustments along the way. We're driving down there. So even the bicycle, we're making these little adjustments to balance ourselves. And every time you went to the left, it would go to the right. Took him eight mo 18 months or eight months. His son, who was six or seven, learned the process in two weeks, which mm -hmm. is younger people because they're not trained. What's interesting is he then went, uh, I think he was in Amsterdam. He was visiting Amsterdam. And it shows him he rented a bike with a normal gear, a normal mechanism. And he couldn't ride it. And somebody was recording it. He kept falling off it. And after a few minutes, he said, it was just like click. The old hard wiring went back into effect. And he was able to do that. But it looked like he was drunk uh, you know, <laughs> or, or spastic. Uh, he looked like he was incapable of doing that. That's what we're in now. We are in right now that overnight we were forced that somebody just reversed the mechanisms that we need to do something as simple as riding a bike, whether it's work, whether, you know, whether it's how do we go to work, whether it's what do we do, how do we teach, what education looks like, um, learning all the new technologies, which is always evolving. Um, you know, I, I use Zoom, I use Google Meet, I have a couple other platforms. And it's interesting because as soon as I change that platform, if people are used to now Zoom, they're, they're experts in Zoom, and I use Google Meet because I have G Suite, they're confused. They can't find the sound, they can't get the camera right. They're flustered just because the, the, it's still a video call. And just because the button's in a different place, they're confused. Hmm. So we all need to become more better for adaptable. And then going to what's work going to look like a year from now. Well, one is we're, I, I will go with some of the, the experts that I look up to. And everybody says, we're all faking it until we make it. We're all sort of in this love. We're, we're constant experimentation. Some will work, some won't. Will we all, are we all going back to work? Uh, what's back to work look like? Because when people went back to work, it's not working out so well because you get your temperature check tested when you go in, we're socially distanced, we're masked. So people are going back to the office instead of piling 15 people into an elevator, there's three people in an elevator. It takes us a long time. We have to socially distance going to the restroom. Nobody's in the lunchroom. Um, everything takes longer when we do it. And then you're at work and you go, oh, we can't take six people into our meeting room. We only can have three for socially distancing. So three of the people who are back at work are still on a Zoom call. Of course. In the office at their desk. Of course. And that's, some of that is just not going away because some companies are just saying, this is silly. We get, we're more productive. We're wasting too much time. Individuals aren't going back to work um, because they took an hour to two hours every day commuting one way oftentimes. Um, and some people got a routine and they got work done. Other people was just a complete waste of time, especially if they were in their car. So people learn to adjust. And the longer this goes on, um, the more we're adapting to a new way, but the old concepts of work and what business luck looks like has not changed for a lot of people and a lot of companies. You know, I, I've, I've heard news reports and seen news reports where uh, both in the US and the UK, some employers are 
whether I don't know the legality of this, but are using webcam technology to check whether their member of their staff working remotely, working from home, is actually sat at their laptop, which I, I just think is absolutely shocking from a point of view of trust and empowerment and productivity. You know, if you if somebody feels like they're going to be checked up on, you know, because I think we need to be changing the nature of um, looking not on time spent, but on output delivered, on outcomes achieved, and not you know. So if with some people that you know they're doing a school run to, to pick up their young children at, at three p.m., but then they're working at nine ten p.m. Well, that's okay because as long as the output gets delivered. Oh yeah, I was going to say if I had a mic, I would that that I wanted to ruin, I would drop it. Um, so I think you summed it up is is perfectly that. Here you have companies that still don't trust employees uh, that, hey, if I can't see them doing work, they're not getting it done. And the fact of the matter is, just because you saw them working at their desk did not mean that they were productive. For sure. Was done. Uh, and now they're finding out that, uh, you know, it, they, they showed up for eight or 10 hours and you had all these meetings. But now um, there, there's a lot of different studies. So I think it depends on, on, on the industry you're in, the business you're in, uh, of how work gets done. Uh, and also the capability of people to, to be able to do this. But you're absolutely right, um, is companies are, are, are saying, we need to see that you're working. As if we're paying you for eight hours, we want to know that you're working, you know, that you're at your desk for eight hours. That is bizarre. I mean, that is one of those, one, one of those metrics that has just completely gone out the window. If you don't have your goals set up, your KPIs, and, and if, if, who cares? If, if you're paying them the, what you paid them before and they get it done in four hours, um, you know, that's where you, if they were worth that much before and they were, they were, they were putting a 40 hour work week in, um, but productive, they were only productive 20 hours. Um, you can argue, why should I pay them the other 20 non-productive hours or that's what they were worth before. That's what they're worth now. But the reality is, is yeah, you're absolutely right. People are doing keystrokes. People are forced to keep their webcams on. That's just bad management. Those companies will just not be in business. Sorry. No. I mean, it, it, a year from now, the future of their work is going to be they, they're not going to have companies. And you're already seeing that a company shutting down because, you know, employees are, are leaving. They're looking for jobs. There's a lot of movement. I'm in, I'm in the hiring business. I mean, the core part, other than talking about this, and I talk about this is because uh, uh, for, for context, we provide the, my company's success performance solution. We provide pre-employment and leadership testing. That's why I'm so excited about this AQ assessment, this adaptability quotient. Um, but we provide uh, pre-hire and leadership. We are busier now than we were last year. Um, really? Our, we're up. Because Company, presumably people are losing their jobs, so they're going they're out of the job market, so there's more talent out there in the job market. Yeah, but they're not more skilled people. The, the people okay. that... There are, I don't want to say that there's not skilled people in the job market, but there's a lot of people that are unemployed. And a lot of the people who are unemployed or on the hinges of being unemployed don't necessarily have all these skills. They're not adept. They're not resilient. You know, they're looking for, they need a paycheck. Uh, and some people who had expertise, a lot of that expertise is no longer as valuable or they're experts, but they're not very, they're not digitally fluent. I'm not, I'm not going to say, or digitally literate. Some of them aren't even digitally literate, uh, yet digitally fluent. Uh, 
So there's the, the skill gap is actually worse. And I use the analogy, depending on where you live, there's two of them I came up with. Uh, one of them, somebody, one of my listeners came up with um, that the, the new job market is or labor market for companies is such that finding talent is like shoveling out of a blizzard in it with a teaspoon because there's just this, you know, in the U S there's 50 million people who are either unemployed or on unemployment benefits. And that's a lot of people that will be looking for jobs and companies are not equipped to, to do that. They're, they use Indeed, they use ZipRecruiter, they use job boards, maybe they have an ATS, but, the, but they never really have the criteria set up to, to identify those core people because they weren't sure even what the core skills were. They were still going back as we opened our discussion, talking about you know, what, are they, we, what are the things that we ask them to do? How, where, what were your last three employers? When, when it should be, what are your skills? What are your transferable skills? Not, not what's your job title and what were the things you did for that company is how did you get work done at that company? What did you learn at the company? What do you need to unlearn coming from that company? And again, it's, it's, the, it's those, well, they're, they're not soft at all, but those soft skills, those competencies. So companies are going to be overwhelmed. By the way, the other analogy for anybody who's in, lives in warmer weather is, you know, is draining a flood with a straw. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you throw in 50 million people, where just a few months ago, uh, in the beginning of this year, most developed countries in the world experienced very, very low unemployment. And so they were fortunate if they got a handful of applications. And one of my clients, uh, anybody who's listened to another podcast or so probably heard the story, but it was, it's dramatic. Uh, he used to be thrilled if he got 25 to 50 uh, applications from Indeed. And maybe out of that, there were one or two that were worthwhile interviewing. And he complained about that. So uh, when things started to rebound, and maybe it's two months ago, maybe three at this point, um, put an ad out, and within 24 hours, he had 1,300 applications. Wow. And the question is, is how do you filter that? How do you screen all those applications? Um, so again, there's, a, there's an uptick on companies doing ATS. The problem with a lot of the applicant tracking systems or software or even job boards uh, that are out there, they were designed for an analog world. They weren't designed for this world. They were, they were designed for full-time, part-time work. And now we're going to have a lot of people telecommuting, working remote. Uh, people haven't figured out what that means. How do we identify that somebody that used to go to work, can, can they really work remote or do they just know how to use Zoom? Going back to my, you know, my teaching, uh, just because you can use Zoom does not mean you're digitally fluid. <laughs> uh, because now it, you need to collaborate with people differently. You can't be face-to-face and people need to learn that as a skill. Hopefully we will get back face-to-face and hopefully there will be times where we will actually meet in person in the same room with people, but it's never going to be, it's never going to be the same. So we, we have a long way to go. In terms of the adaptability quotient, what is it and how can it help a business? Well, one is uh, the adaptability quotient is an, uh, is a is a quick is a fairly quick assessment. Uh, well, ac- adaptability quotient is actually an intelligence. It's been described as an intelligence. So if we went if we go back, how relevant it is to the workforce? If we go back just a few decades uh, and talk about we hired people on IQ, uh, their, sure. you know, what, what their grades were, what they knew, and and offense, it wasn't 
it wasn't in a traditional sense of IQ, but basically, were they intelligent? Were they smart? Did they have the um, technical and administrative knowledge, the expertise? And then certainly in the 90s with Daniel Goleman in the last uh, two decades, emotional intelligence was critically important, especially leadership, professional uh, roles. Um, it, no matter what you did on a career path is, is you only moved as high as your EQ uh, abilities. And then, um, but now we're living in this VUCA world. And so AQ is being seen as the next stage of that. And EQ is part of it. Um, because we need to have our self-awareness. Obviously, to have higher self-awareness, you, you need to understand what your AQ is. Uh, you need to be resilient, which is, which again is that self-management. Uh, so there are things that that are overlapping, but we're so it's the next growth. It's a certain stage. So adaptability quotient is that intelligence that we're going to need to thrive in a, a VUCA world. Uh, now. With that, with the, what there's an, an assessment that we have that goes with that, and that's where the research came through with Singularity, uh, and IBM, and United Nations, and uh, a, a lot of a lot, lot of work with universities and and academic and uh, other uh, uh, organizations. Uh, identified the 15 traits or 15 dimensions that impact that, and that gives us a roadmap. So. Uh, the assessment is very interesting. It, it's done by a chatbot, so it's conversational. So when you wow. take an assessment, it's not done on the traditional way that uh, sometimes I'm uncomfortable in large groups of people. Um, I'm often late for appointments, you know, the, and it's do I strongly disagree or I strongly or I strongly agree with that statement. This is done as a chatbot, so the format's the same, but it'd be you and me talking about it that I ask you a question and you respond in the chatbot called Ada responds back and there's a flow and the flow of those questions is dictated on how you answered the prior one. So it's also based on AI. Um, and no two people will probably get identical questions because we're all going to answer certain things slightly differently. So, it, but it takes about 20 or 25 minutes to complete. Uh, it's done through this chatbot. You immediately report. And the report not only tells you how you compare to other people on the norm, but also you can compare yourself to a global average. So it can do it within your demographic, um, but it'll also show you how you compare uh, to a global average. And then it also gives you a guide, and we're, we're in the development stage of this, but there's going to be actually coaching that will go along with it, which will, which will also be online. So it will identify that if your struggle is, if you score in the 50 or 40 percentile of unlearning, uh, that you, you may be open-minded, but you're trying to accumulate, just, there's only so many brain cells we have, especially for somebody, an older baby boomer. Uh, there's only so many brain cells we have left, so we have to unlearn turning the bike the wrong way. We have to learn some of those things. If that's what you need to do, how do you change that? If you need to become more open-minded, how do you change that? If you need to adjust your thinking style because it's interfering with your ability to adapt, what can you do to change that? Uh, so it, it basically 20 or 25 minutes, a few dollars, um, you can have a roadmap of where you fit. But the real powerful thing with this is working with teams. So, it's few, so even a small company with as few as five people, we can create a team report. And the team report has two critical additional dimensions. One is your overall change readiness. Are there some themes that are running across this that will interfere with this team adapting? Is it a skill set? Is it the environment? Is it their personalities? And since a lot of companies have hired people like them, 
to fit in their culture. Um, if you don't have a diverse culture, and diversity also has to do with cognitive thinking, uh, that's going to be a struggle. Uh, but it also has a reskilling index, and, and it identifies how much reskilling needs to be done. And reskilling is different than upskilling. Reskilling is, is really improving, uh, or upskilling is, is, learn, is improving the skill that you have. It's getting that, ma you're, you're in business, so you get an MBA. Um, upskilling, uh, or I'm sorry, reskilling is that, you know, I was a dentist and now I'm in business. Uh, what were the transferable skills that you had? You were a server in a restaurant and it's like, okay, I'm not going back to the restaurants anytime soon. What else can I do? What did you learn? Well, you learned customer service skills. You learned how to collaborate. Sure. Uh, you learned sales skills, um, depending on what other roles that you had there. Maybe you were responsible for scheduling. So you learned logistic skills. Those are transferable skills to go to the next level. So how, what's your, uh, based on what we learned about your AQ, what's your reskilling index like? So even small companies, you don't have to be a large company to do this. Uh, even a small company with, you can do one person, but if you have as few as five, you can do this team report and say, how prepared are we to adjust our business model uh, to change, to adjust to um, the clients, our market, our, our market space. We used to have people come to us. What can we do that we can, what can we do remote? And uh, I, I don't know any business in the world that's going to be immune to this whether you're an accountant, an attorney, a restaurant, hotels, uh, everybody's going to be repurposing. For sure. Yeah. So if people want to try out the um, adaptability quotient, how do they do that? Uh, well, you can, do, you can go to my website, Success Performance Solutions. Just spell it right out. Just in the back of me. Uh, SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com. Uh, right at the top of the page is actually a link, uh, and you can, um, you can see a little bit more about it and request uh, an AQ. Fantastic. We're also doing, uh, just in a few weeks, and we'll be doing these periodically, uh, we're having a master class where uh, we're trying to pull together 25 to 50 people, uh, and everybody will take that, um, we'll, we'll, in a group, so to keep the cost down, uh, we'll review everyone's assessment as a whole, um, but then we'll also see uh, if you, you know, if you have five people or 10 people in your company, you'll get your team report, but you'll also compare it to the rest of the group, so. That's the easiest way to get information about it. That's awesome. And hook up with me on LinkedIn. So you'll, you'll probably right. see and how, did, and how do people uh, hook up with you on LinkedIn? Um, you, well, just go to LinkedIn, type in Ira S. Wolf. Uh, when I come up, uh, my title is either Millennial in the Baby Boomer Body or Chief Googleization Officer. Uh, you'll recognize me from there, but uh, very open to connect with people. And uh, I'm, I'm always putting out information about this and the future of work and uh, have a podcast and uh, basically the easiest way to track me is through LinkedIn. Brilliant. Ara, thank you so much for your time today and for telling us all about how we increase our adaptability and the adaptability quotient. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms. Enjoy more success and create more impact.